The Pace Line is produced by The Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Patria Vandermark. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. How are you doing, Patria? I'm doing great, Patrick. How about you? I'm good. I had an awesome weekend. Yeah. Nice big ride. Excellent. Uh, before we get into more of that, though, I should give our wonderful listeners a little update regarding iTunes. Uh, I know they haven't been seeing us there. I've been working on this like crazy. For whatever reason, the new site still refuses to talk to iTunes. Or maybe I should say iTunes refuses to listen to the new site. So beginning today, uh, we are now posting these on Red Kite Prayer just to get them to talk to iTunes uh, and to let everyone know going forward because of Patria's schedule as a retailer. Monday is going to be our new publication date uh, for not just the foreseeable future, but all anticipated future, I guess is the way to put it. Right, unless the nature of retail changes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. As if. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So how was your weekend? What'd you do? Well, my weekend was terrific. After the last episode, I inspired myself to take out the fat bike and oh. do a bunch of fat biking. Oh, very so cool. So I was able to get out and reconnect with a friend and remember how fun it is to fat bike. And I also created a longer other list of more reasons to fat bike. So that was <laughs> that was really nice. It was All fun right. to do something different. Keep it keep it fresh. And the fall here is still spectacularly beautiful. Envy. And how about you? Well, uh, speaking of taking our own advice, uh, yeah, uh, there have been a couple of spots where I have definitely had the skill to take the jumps that I wanted uh, because they were all, I, I want to say they were all under 24 inches, uh, certainly all under 30 inches. Uh, but I don't know, uh, because I'm a scaredy cat or something. Uh, Really, a lot of it came down to the speed that I would hit them at. Uh, and I was always just a little fearful that I would botch the landing. So I'd go around. And in the last week, uh, any number of them, I went and I approached them and took a closer look at them and said to myself, no, you, you can do this. You've got the skills. Just stop freaking out. And uh, four in particular that I would hit on almost every single ride in Annadale, uh, plus actually one uh, out in West County that I encounter a whole lot. I hit all of them at full speed and sailed over and landed perfectly. And it's like, what is wrong with you? Uh, but no, rather than beat myself up, it was like, look, see, you can do it. You can do it. That's right. And, you proved uh, to yourself you could do it. Yeah. The funny thing is there was this one where I, you come down this rock garden. This is on one of the illegal trails in Annadale. 
you come down this rock garden, there's a Rudy section in there and a whole bunch of rock. Uh, and just as it kind of starts to flatten out, there's this tree trunk that's down and dirt has kind of washed up against it from rain and whatnot. And so, uh, it's not that big a deal, but I would always go around it because of the speed I was coming at it from. And this time I was like, dude, just, and so I, I go off it, I land perfectly, but then I was going so fast into the next section. It was like, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) quickly onto the next skill set. Yeah. Well, it was like, oh, I've never taken this at this level of speed. (laughs) So I did break some. (laughs) Uh, You're here and live to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Good stuff. Um, Good. That's great. Yeah. It was interesting. Mm -hmm. After you mentioned this last week, Mm -hmm. I spent some time on YouTube over the weekend watching some jumps and watching some how to videos on how to take some jumps, which is something that is way beyond what I feel comfortable doing. I'm not sure if I ever want to jump on my bike, but it was really neat to watch amateurs learn how to take some of these things that you you were describing. So, So. it was nice. It was hmm. eye-opening and maybe something for some point in the future. Uh, that sounds good. Uh, I would I would love for you to share those links with us. I'd be happy uh, to. And we can post those in the show notes. All right. Yeah. So, hey, your poll recently about supply chain. I was speaking yeah. to a guy, a friend of mine, uh, late this past week, and he said something that just blew me away. He told me that Suntour, the component manufacturer, has told all of their customers that they supply to that they are sold out for the entirety of 2021. Wow. So what are they planning on doing? Did they offer any? Well, I mean, they're making stuff and they will de- they'll deliver everything that they've already taken orders for, but no moss on orders. That's, Nothing that else. That is amazing. Yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> and I'm guessing they're the first for. of a few. Yeah. Yeah. Or many who are going to have similar stories to share. Yeah, it's it's going to be nutty. Uh, one of the interesting things is, based on what I'm seeing, anybody who's looking at buying uh, a new bike with a new component group. Uh, so this goes especially for the new Shimano Diori 12-speed group. Uh, if you buy a group like that, Nobody else other than fellow 12 speed owners are going to be looking for those chains. So 10 and 11 speed chains are going to continue to Mm -hmm. be in short supply. So yeah, Yeah. an interesting little wrinkle there. Absolutely. It's a a good point. Where are you going to position yourself with your parts Mm -hmm. and having, having the ability to get basic parts for it in the future? I just, I can't even believe that this is a conversation we have to have. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. The things that we used to be able to, to rely on every week, we'd get a small number of the basic items that we know we would sell through, but we were planning on ordering the following week. And now it's, if you see something show up, every single bike shop is hoarding. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, I can get 50 of those now. And I might not see them for another two months. So having that reaction is causing a lot of this also. It, it just causes that, that tension and fear mm-hmm. inside of you mm-hmm. every time you see something show up. Yeah. So, yeah, 
really interesting to navigate for for uh, purchasers. I, yeah, uh, I, I mean, like the next time I order sealant, I'm going to order two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. And then this this translates to your experience. And as more people are, the consumers are feeling this, it's going to magnify. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Well, why don't we yeah. jump into our polls? Yes. What is your poll for this week, Patrick? I want to talk hydration packs this week. I like the topic. OK, so after I finished my ride yesterday and got home, I went to sling, you know, those it's those quotidian moments that make you think. I went to sling my pack over my shoulder before walking upstairs. And as it swung around and hit me in the back, I was kind of amazed at how how much impact there was, the force of the impact. And I couldn't <laughs> help but wondering just how much weight had hit me. Uh, and this was like after drinking all but a couple of ounces in the of water in the reservoir. So this morning I pulled it down from the hook. I weighed it this morning. Ten pounds. That's with almost no water and most of the food eaten. Uh, (laughs) That's significant. Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, it also made me think about I might need to look at like my fully dressed weight again and see how that compares to where my suspension setup is set. Uh, I might need to up the pressure just a little bit. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so definitely I should back up and say. I use hydration packs a lot. I use them in gravel riding in addition to my mountain biking. And that's because it's not uncommon for me to do a gravel event where three hours may pass between sag stops. I'll run out of bottles in that amount of time. Uh, And while I'll carry less stuff in my pack for a gravel event, it'll just be, you know, a, a, a minimum of tools and then a little bit of food plus whatever's in the bladder. Uh, I still like using them because if my bottle is covered in dust. I won't drink from it as readily. I am. Yeah. I I'm funny that way. Uh, <laughs> You're in good company. A lot of people feel the same way. Yeah, I don't, I don't just don't like chewing water. on dirt. Uh, not my thing. Uh, you know, I get it dumb on my part, but you know, it, if I'm not drinking from it, that can lead to dehydration, which is, oh yeah, dumb on my part. <laughs> also, I can fit a lot more ice in a bladder than I can a bottle. And if my water or mix is cold, I will definitely drink more of it. That's for sure. Uh-huh. So I decided to take a look at all the stuff that was in my bag. So first what up, you got in there? <laughs> well, first up, there's the <laughs> three liter bladder which is nearly full at the start of a ride Uh, at the start of any ride where, uh, you know, normal ride, it'll have two to two and a half liters. If I know that I'll be out for more than four hours, I will completely fill it. Uh, Next, of course, phone and keys. Got to keep those with you. Then there's my tool roll. I've got a multi-tool, a mini torque wrench from Topeak so that if I have to do something on a stem or a seat post or something, I'm not over tightening those. I've got a Dyna plug kit. I've got two tire levers and a CO2 gun with two CO2 cartridges. Normally I have three in there. I'm not sure why there's only two right now. Uh, <laughs> it's later in the season. Maybe you've used them. I, I, I can't figure it. I really can't. Wow. Um, And actually, normally there's a tube in there, uh, you know, 
This week, actually, there wasn't one, so I've got to replace that. Uh, I do still have the mini pump. Um, there's an elastic cover for the pack for really lousy conditions. Um, I've got a windbreaker and usually have an extra set of gloves, but that's less for out on the ride than in case I show up someplace and I realize I forgot mine. So just leaving them in there is not, not a problem. There are two cliff bars for emergencies of the bonking type. <laughs> uh, and that's aside from all the other food that I'll, I'd normally carry. And I'll get to that. Here's the funny part. I've got a few implements of destruction to use Arlo Guthrie's turn of phrase in the spring, winter and fall. I encounter downed trees with some frequency. That's partly because of riding on a trail system out in West County that might only see a hundred riders in a week, 200 in a big week. I almost always ride with a small folding saw from Silky. I've got the Pocket Boy 170 curved blade folding saw. That the 170 means it has a 170 millimeter long blade. Uh, it comes with a little plastic carrying case so the blade doesn't get wet if I get soaked in a downpour. I use this one for cutting branches on larger downed trees uh, and to make it easier uh, to get over a tree. If it's too big for me to remove, uh, you know, you get a few of the branches off and it gives you a good place uh, to get over the tree. Smaller trees, oh. I can do it. Yeah. And how small does it pack down to? How much room does it take up in your pack? Uh, so 170 millimeters is about the length of my hand. And so unfolded, oh, so that's it's like it. two hands long or mm -hmm. uh, about the length of uh, just about the length of elbow to the tip of my pinky. And it folds in half. Uh, so it's really small. Fits in even the smallest hydration packs that I use. Uh, unless it's like a, a hip pack. Um, and uh, let's see. Uh, uh, I've also got a pair of Corona clippers that I use for smaller stuff, branches, you know, little branches, uh, the face slappers. It, you know, you're going through something and starts to get a little, little tight. And, you know, yeah, I'm not into having a bunch of leaves in my mouth. So I'll stop and cut some of those from time to time. We also get these overhangs in Redwood Forest. So you'll have something hanging down in front of your face. And uh, ah. I've got a friend who's really good at reaching up, grabbing a branch or whatever it is, and giving a twist and breaking it. And if it's dry, sure, he can manage that. I don't work as quickly. And if I'm by myself, I'll just stop, go back and cut it. So those clippers are really handy for it. But because of the dry weather and the red flag warnings that we've had recently, we've got more trees down than usual. And some of them aren't being dealt with all that quickly. That's partly because my club hasn't been able to do trail days because, uh, oh, yeah, pandemic, right. social distancing. Uh, of course. We did it's manage difficult. one this past summer, and I, I just wasn't able to make it for that. So I've been bumming that we haven't done any others. Uh, so rather than just ignoring those trees that are down or spending an hour cutting them with a blade that's as long as my hand, I decided to add a silky big boy uh, folding saw to my pack. So this is another one with a curved blade. 
Uh, it folds, but the blade is 360 millimeters, about as long, again, as my elbow to the end of my pinky. Uh, I can get through a six inch trunk in less than half the time it takes with the short blade. So pretty crazy effective. Uh, Yeah, it is. And it's also, I mean, I'm a guy, I'll admit it. And pulling a big ass folding saw out of your pack while everybody's standing around looking at what do we do here? It's kind of (laughs) cool. (laughs) <laughs> agreed i know a lot of people right now who want the links to these saws. oh yeah yeah will do silky's really neat and these these blades my gosh they're they're super super sharp um last up before any longer ride upwards of three hours i've got at least six gels two or three packs of chews truly I prefer when I've got feed zone portables and actually later this week, I'm planning on making a couple, you know, two or three batches of those. Uh, I, I just, as a way to fuel myself, I feel so much better when I'm eating real food. And it's so uh-huh. funny because for a long time I insisted, nope, nope messes with my stomach. But the more I've done feed zone portables, the more I find that I really do ride better on them. Uh, and those are the rice cakes. They do all sorts of different things there. I mean, you know, it's a, I don't know, a 300 page recipe book. It's there are a lot of recipes. One of my favorites is actually to do pasta with egg. And then you can put uh, bacon or sausage in there. I'll do like chicken sausage uh, mm. or again, bacon. And uh, the egg will cause you use um, a muffin tin and the egg oh. will cause the cooked pasta to sit in a little ball uh, so that, you know, you can just roll, wrap those up in tin foil. It, those things are fantastic. That's actually what I've been kind of jonesing for, but I want to do something on the sweet side this time, something with some chocolate. There's a chocolate and blueberry one that I've done previously. Uh, there's another one that's apple and cinnamon with some lemon juice and that both those <laughs> are done with rice Mm-hmm. Oh, heaven. But I I know the chocolate blueberry one. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. Mm. That just. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. I actually I had one of these moments of of crazy uh, entrepreneurial sensibility run wild. And the last time I was making batches, I was thinking about, you know, I could make these and I could talk to our little local bike shop slash tap room trail house. And like, I bet I could sell these to them to sell to riders. Uh, and then yeah. I started doing the math on like how many I would need to make per hour for it to be worth more than like minimum wage to me. And I was like, yeah, okay. Maybe I do need to work on a couple of more book proposals instead. <laughs> <laughs> it is nice to make the thing that goes down really easily when you're writing for yourself. Yeah. Like, well, and let's be honest. That means a lot. I, you know, if I'm on a long climb, I don't start jonesing for a gel. Right. You know, the goo, pineapple, and the lemonade, those things are great. The cola. I really like the cola. Mm-hmm. But I don't jones for those on a ride. I'm not right. thinking about pulling over and opening up the foil and like, oh my gosh, it's going to taste so good. The Parmesan cheese with the sausage and the pasta and the, oh, uh, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> when I'm making feed zone portables, it's all I can do not to start chowing on them on the spot. 
I see nothing wrong with eating them while you're making them. (laughs) (laughs) And then you have to go ride because you have to go burn the calories. Yes. Perfect. Yes. So, uh, well, with all that said, you use hydration packs. What do you put in yours? Uh, Well, it's since social distancing, mostly that I've started using the the Camelback Mm -hmm. pack. And it's been um, really interesting is I thought it would be too heavy. Mm-hmm. My perception of camelbacks was that it was just for mountain bikers. And like you, I'm using it for gravel riding and these long rides. Just just as what, what you're saying, I just thought it was very eye opening because I didn't think a hydration pack was for me until I started using it. And now I'll use it more often than not just to have the extra stuff. Mm-hmm. So your your list is pretty comprehensive. Uh, I tend to take things that are survivalist in nature. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, waterproof gloves, waterproof socks, mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. that if the weather turns or I get cold, I'll be able to put on, um, uh, chemical packs oh, or your uh-huh. hands and feet. That's really nice. Saves the day in a lot of, a lot of cases. Um, and then everything you, you already mentioned everything for a flat and all the multi tools and and those sorts of things i tend to mix it up between the camelback and the rear saddlebag mm-hmm. and you'll see if if you see any pictures and i think you posted my picture on the last week's show notes my saddlebag is always really big and full of stuff too so it's a mix between what ends up going where mm-hmm. but the weight of the stuff on your back is not so impactful that like, well, yours is way heavier than mine is. It it doesn't put the negative pressure on a saddle that I thought would be an issue. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a real positive learning. But the weight of water is significant. When you have three yeah. liters yeah. of water in your bag, we're talking another. Uh, what is that? Ten? Another ten pounds? I actually that. meant to run that that math and didn't. I forgot to do that. Yeah. Bad Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's but a it's, pound, pound, a pound and a half per bottle. So that's, yeah. Yeah. It adds up really fast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my, my rear shock may need a little bit more air in it than, than has been there. My fork's okay. <laughs> uh, the O-ring is not up at the crown or anything. Uh, yeah. I, one thing that I have not been carrying and this time when I looked in there and saw, you know, was reminded by I'm not pulling out any band-aids or anything i should probably have some sort of first aid kit even if minor something in there uh just in case i i know friends who like have a sling you know all sorts of stuff like that uh but i i haven't been doing that it's probably not a great idea something i would suggest on that is wrapping your mini pump with duct tape Mm mm-hmm And the duct tape works for pretty much anything that could possibly go wrong. And that could include if you just have gauze with you, if you have a limb that needs to be splinted or that sort of thing, you can wrap the duct tape around whatever part of your body you need to to use it on. Yeah. So where it comes to first aid, it's interesting because if you get a little cut, like, well, a Band-Aid could help, but the Band-Aid might not stick. You're sweating. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost nothing or or survivalist everything that, you know, what you would need if if you really had something major happen. Yeah. In, in 
one thing I found for my bag, which I haven't used yet, and I'd like to use it, uh, is a bleed stop. Oh, a solution that's mm-hmm. supposed to help blood congeal. So if you're bleeding uncontrollably, it should help. But I would like to test it. I just don't know how to get to the situation <laughs> of testing it. Right. I'm working on the details of that one. <laughs> well, I, I expect that you're avoiding that testing situation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, the so I'll other- let you know when I when I have the test results of that one. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. I do actually have uh, some liquid bandage in my gear bag and that might be the wrong location for it. it Maybe that actually should be in the hydration pack instead. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've seen people, you know, with a gash put duct tape on it. It's like, well, it's sticky. Uh, that's, you know, that's at least going to keep it from, you know, the filet staying open. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's a lot better than nothing. Yeah. Like that and some gauze and uh, the last time yeah, this came go. up on RKP, I recall somebody saying that they keep a roll of toilet paper in a Ziploc bag in their pack. And I'm now remembering, oh, yeah, I was thinking I should. Mm, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And along with I mean, the, the, the long list is, is quite long of what to include. In fact, I could include a link to something because we've put together lists of things we recommend people take with them mm. on longer rides, which I think is definitely getting to this topic. Um, but it's, um, oh, I'm drawing blank as to what I was going to suggest, but I could definitely send a link so that people can see a full list mm-hmm. of a lot of the, the different items that, that we suggest. That sounds great. Yeah. Good idea. Uh, one other so thing that I know stuff. that I've done when I've been doing a really long gravel event, even though I try to make sure uh, on my SRAM equipped bike that got stolen. Never mind. Moving right along. Uh, because it was ETAP, uh, even though I would fully charge the batteries prior to that, I would actually bring along an extra battery. I happen to have additional batteries. So I would bring along one battery just in case. Uh, if you're running DI2 and you've charged your bike prior to that, that'll never, ever be a problem. <laughs> except that i've seen it as a problem really yes because if you've stored your bike overnight say against another person's bike or in your car yeah if the lever's been depressed your battery could start completely drained so having the the charger nearby is is not a bad idea right right uh yeah that's uh i've i've suffered that one yeah uh bike in the back of the car you go to start the ride Mm -hmm. yeah but right. yeah, I mean, if, if your battery is actually fully charged at the start of the ride with DI2, yeah. you Yes. To your point, you're right. Yeah. It will last 1,500 miles. And unless your ride is about 1,500 miles long, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually was doing a ride with members of Team Sky after the Amgen Tour California one year. Um, let's see. The ride finished on Sunday and this was like Tuesday. I think they'd had a recovery day and we went out and did this ride in san francisco (laughs) and their batteries were fully charged before the start of the tour of california we got on the first climb and one of the sky riders his battery died oh no oh that's devastating oops i mean like how much shifting is that to in one week you've drained your battery 
crazy. Right. That's a lot of shipping. Yeah. There you go. But it's good. It's a good idea to have an extra battery for sure. I also ride ETAP. So I always have an extra battery on me. Yeah. And I remembered the item oh. I was going to suggest. Yes. And that is food service gloves. Food service oh. gloves are a tremendous help for a lot of different reasons. One, obviously, sanitary reasons. You have to dress someone's wound. You can put those on your hands. Mm-hmm. But also... They keep your hands warm if it starts raining or if it's cold, you use that as a vapor layer. So it really will help. And something like food service gloves, often you can show up to a restaurant or any sort of food service establishment and ask for the gloves. And a lot of times, you know, these are very inexpensive. They'll just give you a pair, Mm -hmm. Uh, but not a bad idea to start with with a pair of gloves. And then just with COVID and trying to be clean and all that sort of thing. So those weigh absolutely nothing great to have with you yeah yeah good idea i need to look into that yeah all righty well uh what do you have for your poll this week well as we are talking about fall and the temperature is changing the season's changing and we're also trying to stay universally ap- applicable to most people in across the United States or even the world. Uh, what do you do to stay motivated to stay on the bike? How do you s- change your bike and yourself for the seasons? Mm-hmm. So like you may not be experiencing weather changes in, in terms of temperature. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people are, but there's light changes. The sun is starting to go yep. down earlier. The time's going to be changing soon. So this is something that definitely impacts everyone. And something I've noticed lately is a lot of people's motivation has really gone down (laughs) where it comes to finding a reason to go out and ride. At the beginning of the summer and spring with COVID, no one knew what events were going to be canceled. And it turns out a lot of people have used event rides, gravel rides to stay motivated Mm -hmm. and then as these events have been canceled that motivation has been going down yeah i've I've experienced some of that (laughs) yeah yeah and everyone to a certain extent is starting to feel that and then of course with days growing shorter and cooler there's a certain level of lethargy that comes along with that Mm -hmm. um just just what season is changing it's part of being human so so this is just a bit of a few things to think about. There's a lot more, but this will be at least getting people thinking along these lines. So staying motivated. One, start with the appropriate clothes. I'm not going to go into the clothes, but I am going to suggest that even though the common thinking about what you should wear when you go out is about 10 degrees cooler <laughs> weather wise. Like, so you should be dressed for colder weather. Or sorry, you should be dressed for warmer weather. So in other words, you go out starting cool mm-hmm. and you feel colder. And then because of riding, you're going to warm up as you're out there. Oh, I'm one of these people. If I start cold, I'm going to stay cold for the whole ride. Mm-hmm. And there's a really good chance I'm not going to motivate to go outside. I'll, I'll spread out that getting ready process to two hours. And all of a sudden the sun's going down <laughs> and I'm going to figure out some excuse to not go outside. <laughs> So what I would suggest is, but this goes to the camelback or taking a backpack with you, you can start with as many clothes as you want to start with to start warm. Mm-hmm. 
And then as you get warm, just quickly take the things off that are making you too warm. You don't want to overheat. You don't want to get too sweaty, but it's okay just to just be aware when it's time to take, take clothes off, stop, take them off and then keep going. Um, some, somebody gave me really great advice years ago when I first started cycling. What they suggested was just convince yourself to go out for a 10 minute ride. That's all you need to do. If, if you're not feeling gri- like riding today, convince yourself just to get out for 10 minutes. Because you know what happens as soon as you get out for 10 minutes, you're good to go. You're going to stay out. You're going to keep riding. <laughs> it's all a matter of getting ready and getting on your bike and actually getting out the front door. So it's a smaller thing to take on in your head. Like, okay, it's going to be something small, simple, whatever. That, that could certainly help. <laughs> so, um, so clothes will be a whole nother show. <laughs> now, because <laughs> there's a million things out there and you're going to make some mistakes. Just go out there and figure out what hurts and then solve that problem. <laughs> and then the next time you go out there, figure out what's more un- uncomfortable. And each time, just keep addressing those pain points and you'll get to. And then, of course, you can listen to us and you can hopefully skip past some of the mistakes we've all made. Because there's a lot of good advice out there and there's also a lot of great apparel being made. So yeah. there's there's no reason to be uncomfortable. But you can also start with just your ski clothes. You can start with clothes made for other sports that are warm and cozy and fuzzy. And oh, yes, it makes <laughs> me want to be out there right now with, with warm, co- fuzzy clothes. So the next is be visible um, and colorful clothes look black at night. Mm-hmm. So when you're wearing colorful clothes during the day, that's great. That helps your visibility. But with the short days and, and less sun, when the sun starts to go down, you're not going to be visible unless you have reflectivity strips on you. So make sure the clothes that you have and if you, you can add a, a vest, you can run a, add a, a runner's vest. There's no reason why you have to stay within the cycling world to get the reflectivity that you need. Uh, I went to Home Depot and got strips of reflective tape and I've put it on my bike. I've put it on my clothes. Um, I put it on the rim strips of my fat bike. which looks really cool. So there's a lot of ways to make yourself light up. Another suggestion is an ankle band that's reflective. Mm-hmm. If you put that on your, especially your left ankle, but both ankles are going to show up to, to cars behind you, your, your legs are moving and they've shown that parts of your body that move will reflect, will attract a lot more attention. So that will be a much more visible in a lot of ways than something that just a reflective stripe that's on your back because right. that's not constantly moving. And those ankle bands are really inexpensive, very easy to get. Um, so that's that's just a nice thing to add to to what you're wearing. And they're, they're like stretchy, they're comfortable. You can put them anywhere. Um, and you can have a few of them on as well. Mm. And then there's the obvious, but a lot of people don't have lights. So lights, front and rear lights. When on, we're talking about the front light, there's the to be seen light and to see light. Yeah. What I suggest is just jump past the to be seen light and just go to the to see light. So when I say the to see light, that is the you're on a dark road. There's no, you know, no, no street lights or anything like that. So you need to have enough light to see where you're going. 
that's that's really lights are inexpensive now they're the just for the power that are packed in batteries and in the leds there's really no reason to skimp on a light it's like skimping on a helmet it's so important for your safety you might as well pay $90 for a light that's a thousand lumens that lights up the world. And then you can ride on a road. It's dark. It's lit. It doesn't matter. You're no longer limited by being able to see. And then obviously, if you can see that well, anyone in a car or a pedestrian for that matter is going to be able to see you also. Yeah. So on that, I suggest going with a light that's a thousand lumen on mm-hmm. high because yeah, the high mode on most lights doesn't last that long. It's about an hour. So if you have thousand lumen on high, that gives your medium setting about 600 lumen. And that's ample light, according to me and my, <laughs> my eyes. So this is this is what I'm, I would recommend to you. And in the dark of night, you can get away with 400 lumen easily when it's dark you, you need more light when you're at that sunrise sunset time of day that's yeah. that's when you need your light to be a bit more powerful yeah that's one of the really difficult things is you know if you're only buying a light for those those margin areas sun sunrise sunset you actually need a lot more power than you do in the dead of night and i yeah, I don't think that the light companies actually do a great job of communicating that to consumers so I found that out the hard way years ago in, in testing lights for bicycle guide, uh, middle of night, you know, yeah. An awful lot will help you. The other thing to consider is how fast you're going because the faster you're moving, the more lumens you need because you be, you get into a situation where you can actually outrun the beam. That's a really good point. Yeah. And if there are rabbits on the bike path that you're on, life gets very interesting. Just saying, <laughs> yeah. just saying. Yeah. <laughs> but it's agreed. There's there's a lot to light. So higher higher is better unless you're riding behind someone, in which case <laughs> higher is not very nice because you then create a shadow with that person so that now that person, if their light isn't as bright as yours, can't see anything because they're in their own shadow yeah. that you're creating. So to think of of the person who's in front of you or someone who's coming at you, obviously, if you have it pointed straight up, you could blind somebody on a bike path in that sort of situation. So those are those are the front lights and then rear lights. There are battery operated ones where the, the batteries are like a triple A's mm-hmm. batteries that are easily purchasable at a, a gas station. Or there's also the rechargeable ones. Now, I have a strong preference for the battery operated lights because and when I say battery, I mean the ones that you can purchase a battery for and put in because if you run out of your rear light one it's extremely dangerous if you don't have a rear light because you can't be seen Mm -hmm. and so you would need to be able to recharge immediately which means going to a gas station or maybe in your camelback you would have a a set of triple a batteries for instance Mm. so you would have the, the the battery power that you need now, if you have a rechargeable one, it's going to take hours to recharge. And if you're finding out while you're on your ride that you need to recharge your light, it's too late. So, <laughs> yeah. 
you can, I mean, having two rear lights is not a bad idea. If something were to happen to one or it falls off, you hit a pothole and it's gone. Again, because it's so important for safety, <laughs> you might as well have more than you need or than you think you need. I, I use a super flash $25 light and I have so many of them. <laughs> They're everywhere. And that's good because I seem to always need them. And of course, they're never around, which is why I have so many, because then I buy another one. (laughs) But but it just feel like that's that's really what you need. Worst case, you can use the light of the the street lamp to get you home. But you don't want to be hit from behind because a car can't see you. Right. Um, And they also last a long time. The the battery operated ones on flashing 100 hours. Like that's that's a long time. That's a while per set of batteries. So another thing about lights is as the temperatures drop, the battery life on anything, this applies to lights, it applies to your phone, anything on your bike that's run by battery is going to have a shorter life. And I will say both DI2 electronic Shimano and SRAM batteries, I have not seen affected. And I've I've put batteries in the freezer overnight to see if there would be any lifetime shortness of time uh-huh. on those batteries have not seen a problem. Wow. So sure. If you were to really freeze those batteries in something colder than your home freezer, at some point you are going to sh- sh- cut short the life of those batteries. But those, those are really, really good batteries. So yeah. I don't think you have to worry about your bike, but everything That's else, cool. your phone battery mm-hmm. is very, very affected by the cold. I wonder why that is. I mean, what is it that Shimano's doing that Apple isn't doing? I mean, come on. <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> Maybe we should get to talk to Apple, Apple to talk to Shimano. Really good. <laughs> There's something there. There's something to that. Uh, so if you've ever pulled out your phone to say, take a picture on a really cool, really cold night ride, your phone could last about 15 seconds out of your pocket. And then and it will die from from cold and then you have to put it right back in. So anything with a battery you put into your jacket where it's warm because of your body heat. So keep it there and then you take it out just for those bare essentials, you know, like Uh when you have to use it. Um, And even having a headset for a phone is a good idea, like a wired one (laughs) so that you can keep your phone close to yourself, because if it's cold and you end up with mechanical you might need to use your phone for to call for help or something else. So um, with the with the light, we've got inexpensive front lights. Why don't you get a second one? Because they are going to be really impacted by the cold. So mm-hmm. you can keep one on the inside of your jacket, keep it warm. And then when your other light goes out, you can swap them. And then all it takes is a little heat. And then you can get that going again. Hmm. And another something a light's good for is... When it's on, it's warm. And if your hands are frozen, you can wrap your hands around that light and stay warm. So that's another it's another pro tip for staying warm, like anywhere you can get it. Right. And you can also help the light by keeping it warm. (laughs) It's a mutually beneficial relationship there. Oh, I like those. (laughs) (laughs) So in the fall, especially the temperature of the day is going to swing potentially as much as 30 degrees potentially even more than that. So think about that as you're dressing again, you're going to go out with however many layers you want to have on you, but then think, well, when you're out, 
the sun drops, all of a sudden the temperatures drop fast. <laughs> so you have to be aware of that and just ready for that. Um, again, those chemical warmers I was talking about earlier that I always have in my pack, those are really helpful for those times when now you're, you're sweaty, you're warm, and the temperature drops and the sun's gone and you're just cold. So that, that helps quite a bit. A few other things to be thinking about as the as the weather's changing is precipitation. Mm-hmm. Um, fenders are a really nice thing to have. And if you have never used full-time fenders, you might not know how nice they are. <laughs> I, this was another surprise, something that I have sold fenders for years and years and years before I finally got a set of full-time fenders for my road bike. And I was amazed at how comfortable you can feel when you're not getting sprayed from the bar, the ground up. You yeah. can be full on rain and very comfortable when the rain is not coming up at you. And your bike also stays a lot cleaner, which yeah, is just, sure. that adds to just the pleasant factor. You're not spending time after the ride cleaning your entire bike. You're just cleaning your chain and you're done. You're ready to go. Um, commuters obviously should use full-time fenders. I think that goes without saying because you want to be able to get to work no matter what weather, and you don't want to show up dripping wet. Um, and then road riders, highly recommend checking it out. And then they have the clip-on fenders that can help keep you drier. It's certainly more pleasant than not having any fenders at all. So yeah. at a bare minimum, have have one of those fenders. And also just be aware that you are not keeping the person behind you dry. Yes. So yeah. you are not doing that good thing by showing up with the fender from the from the making friends standpoint, the full-time fender will keep people pleased with you and want to ride with you. So yeah. Just, well, that's why some of them are only called butt protectors because they don't do anything more than that. Right. Exactly. They got you, but not the person behind you, but yeah. nobody should be drafting anyway right now because of COVID. So, uh, but one day we will go back to those rides. Um, and then because the, the lights dim, it's hard to see leaves are covering potholes your chances of getting a flat go up a lot from pinch flats and what you've heard to refer to as snake bites mm-hmm. is you can fall in potholes potholes can be full of water so you don't even know it's there you slam into it hard the wider the tire the less likely you're going to be to pinch flats so this is a good time to put wider tires on your bike to put on more puncture resistant tires they're heavier but go for it like, that's fine. Yeah. This is this is the off season. We are not racing on these tires. We just and, and then you'll go into the spring feeling fitter and everything else when you get to put on your light summertime tires in a few months. So the, the bigger the tires, the higher the air pressure, just the less less likely you're going to be to flat or to wipe out when you hit wet leaves or something you didn't know was there. You just got to have more, more control, more rubber on the ground is a really good thing. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a few things to be thinking about Very as we cool. dip into the fall and the winter. Yeah. Uh, it's funny to get the reminder of all those things about going through the winter in Massachusetts that I haven't had to deal with in 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I won't say I don't miss it, but I saying I miss it is. Mm, that's maybe a bit of a stretch, but I, I remember yeah. the adventure that would come with that, especially like you're doing a late afternoon ride and 
the sun dips behind the hills and all of a sudden it's like, holy cow, who turned out the temperature? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Does that, that doesn't happen there. The weather is so pleasant there that you, you don't end up having that happen. This is California. I, I obviously <laughs> have not done enough riding out there. Uh, I mean, you know, we have seasons in Northern California, but we don't have anything that you would recognize as winter. And mm-hmm. that's why I'm in California. Uh, <laughs> that is a wonderful thing. <laughs> it is. It really is. But yes, you know, we do deal with wet. You know, mm-hmm. it. we can get uh, this time of year. You can sometimes get a temperature swing of 40 degrees. So okay. figuring so out how to dress for that. Oh, my gosh. It's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, That's really challenging. And we're talking about just a few hours worth yeah. of or even yeah. an hour. I'm sure you can experience quite a wide range. You can get 15 degrees in an hour. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it's that part's a real challenge. Um, I mean, the number of times I've gone out and just ended up realizing, oh, yeah, I'm totally overdressed. Long sleeve jerseys. I really have to be careful with those. I need, uh, I really need to do a lot of vest and arm warmer dressing so that mm-hmm. I can vary. It's, uh, yeah, uh, it's when it's colder and wet that it's much easier for me to dress. Cause if it's wet, uh, and it's cool, it's going to stay that way. It's not yeah. going to warm up big time. And, right. and it's so, interesting that that is the easier weather to deal with. I feel yeah. the same way here with winter when it's there's snow on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, you know what to expect. It's easy to dress for that. You just wear everything and then go out and that's you keep everything on and you're good. Yeah. It's this yeah. in between and every single season. I don't know what it is. It's like we've never done this before. Oh, it's 50 degrees. What's 50 degrees? I don't know. I have to relearn that again this year like I did the last 15 years. <laughs> and it's different. Yeah. That 50 degrees is always a different 50. Yeah. For me, yeah, it's that 55 to 60, knowing that it's going to at least warm up to 70. It's like, mm-hmm. well, it's not going to do it that quickly. Nope. It did it that quickly. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> you don't have to and wait too long back, to get to the know, 70. Like peeling stuff off as I'm walking in the door because I'm just dripping from it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, life. Um, well, what do you say we move on to Paceline Picks? Certainly. That sounds like a great idea. All righty. What do you have for us this week? Oh, I'm going to I've I've almost already done my pace line pick and that's lights. <laughs> uh-huh. I just wanted to go a little bit more into the the urban, the light in motion urban series of lights. Uh-huh. The, these lights have been terrific. I've been using these for many, many years. They're small mm-hmm. and they are very easy with a, a strong band to move from one bike to the next and they can just stay on your bike Mm. because they're so light and out of the way. They don't take up much room on your handlebar. So Mm -hmm. you can have two, three lights even on your handlebar and still have plenty of room for your hands. So I really like what light in motion has done with these lights because there's not the cords and the, the battery packs. And I have that too for like serious nighttime riding, that sort of thing. But these little lights are all you actually need. Hmm. And they they make them really powerful. The, the Urban 1000 is what I'm talking about when I suggest a, a 1000 lumen light. Mm-hmm. 
And it's, it's teeny. These are the same lights that not that many years ago, you needed to have a battery pack in your water bottle <laughs> yes. cage to, yes. to have enough <laughs> juice to run that light. So these lights, I did an all night ride with two urban, I think they were urban 550s. This mm-hmm. is before they came out with the 1000s. All night ride, two lights. That's all I needed for, for the full night. So now they have the thousand. You've got a lot more light. That's just just easy to deal with. And then you can also use it as a flashlight because you can take it off your bike. Yes. Easy to charge. They have a fast charge version that I really like. It takes two to two and a half hours to charge completely from dead. So because if you're like me, I'm working all day right up until the night group bread. So what am I going to do? I think about it two hours before the ride starts that, oh, of course, I've got to charge my lights. And I can plug it in and have it fully charged for the ride, ready to go. And then they mm. have lights that take five hours, which is a more normal run yeah. time or le- recharge time. And those are just, they took, cost about $30 less. So for people like me who are okay. really busy and really distracted with a lot of other things, great. They, they have that as an option. So that's, that, that is my pick for the week. Cool. And so what do you- how much does that go for at retail again? believe it's something like $90 for the five hour charge uh-huh. time light and about one twenty ish for the, for the two, two and a half hour charge. Light. Oh, that's amazing. Cause I, I remember the night riders years ago were like $350 and you know, hoping you four hours. Yeah. And, and it added what? Six pounds. Mike. Great. Oh. Right. Exactly. These, these you put it's on your lightest road able. bike, you just keep it there and you know, it's yeah. there. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, very cool. Uh, well, with the weather cooling off most everywhere and everyone, a lot of places are in that space, as we were just discussing temperature-wise, where a well-ventilated helmet is too cold. But the ride isn't cold enough for a full mutt, that is, a thermal cycling cap. Well, I just got this helmet liner from Sportful that is genius. So it sits kind of halfway between a mutt and a traditional cycling cap. So it's got a short brim, like a traditional cycling cap. And then the front half of the cap is cut from Gore-Tex Infinium, which is a fleece-lined thermal windstopper like you'd get in an insulated long-sleeve jersey. Um, Mm. But the genius move is that the back half of the cap is a super breathable mesh, including the little ear covering band, like a traditional mutt. Uh, So it's not hugely thick, but you do get some coverage and the little band can easily be flipped up if the temperature rises through the day. So you might call it like a mutt light. Uh, Part of what I love about this thing is that I've got a couple of different mutts. Um, Some of them are so thick that I can't possibly wear them under a helmet. And so it's like, well, this will be great for after I finish the ride. <laughs> a lot of good that does me. Right. This thing will fit inside all of my helmets that will permit me to wear a normal cycling cap. Oh, that's a great design. It's amazing. I can't recommend this thing highly enough. I have no idea what this, uh, the suggested retail is on it. Uh, I will find that out. Uh, I'll have a link in the show notes. But yeah, just got this thing. It's like, holy cow, this is amazing. Uh, 
it almost makes me look forward to some colder road rides. Oh, 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 almost. That's that's <laughs> saying a lot. But the yeah, the, the description of it being fleece lined. Yeah, that's yeah. that's all. That's all it takes for me. If it's fleece lined, I'm wearing it. Yeah. No ice cream headache with this thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really nice. So it sounds like New Englanders as well as Californians can take advantage of it. Oh, yeah. Really I mean, like, you know, everybody from Denver North. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's uh, this is one of those things where, you know, so often you run across these really nice products and, you know, Pearl Izumi has their version and Asos has their version and Castelli has their version. And yeah. this thing from Sportful is unique to Sportful. I haven't seen it anywhere else. Nothing like it. And the fact that you've got insulation and it will fit under a helmet, it's like <laughs> blow me away. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like a great suggestion. I'm excited about it. Well, good. Anything that helps get you out there where you're going to just feel good going out and starting. Yeah. That's, that's huge. And on your head where they say you lose 30% of your body heat, something like that. 70%. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's enormous. Yeah. It's an area to, to focus on. Yeah. A wet head. That's just, that's a recipe for misery. It is. Definitely. All righty. Well, that's a wrap of another episode of the pace line. Everybody keep those questions coming or get them going again. Uh, You all have traditionally been sending some great stuff. So if you've got an idea, please drop by TCI and put a suggestion in the comments. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find until next week. I'm Patrick Brady with Patria Vandermark. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.